so we are at a very interesting space right now where technology is changing and affecting things so what can we do as designers to you know positively affect and transform design and use technology is something that we need to think upon this is episode number 3 part 2 of the arkyan podcast with sushant varma Hey guys, welcome to the Akyan podcast. This podcast is all about architecture and architects in India. I discuss interesting topics and also discuss the lives of architects. They share personal stories, great insights, and you guys will learn a ton from every episode that we produce. On this episode, we have with us Sushant Verma and this is part 2 of talking life and also talking future of architecture with Sushant Verma. In the previous episode we discussed about how Sushant transitioned from his bachelor's in India to studying in one of the best universities in the world called the Architectural Association London and working for the best architect in the world which was Zahadid Architects and inevitably starting a great firm of his own called Ratlab Studio. In this episode we discuss more about Ratlab Studio topics such as architectural education what is parametric design the future of architecture and a lot more i'm sure you guys are going to love this episode if you do like it please do subscribe and rate review our podcast on whichever podcast platform you guys are listening from also guys check out uh, the show notes on arkyan.com/03 is jam packed with a lot of useful information that we spoke about today and it would be of immense use to y'all so guys without further ado let's get to the part 2 of talking life and future of architecture with sushant verma let's go yeah so generally someone who lands a job at zahadi they prefer to you know stay longer but you decided to leave after a year so what is the story behind that so yes i think that was that is something people still ask me my family still ask me why why the hell did you leave the job at zaha and uh, you know move this thing but see i'll i'll and I, in fact i spoke about this in uh, you know one of the recent tedx talk i gave at iit as well that there was a moment so so i am a big fan of gary frank gary so i've always loved uh, it's a very weird thing that you know i, I don't like his work to be honest okay. uh, i like i don't like his work like I'm not using any more adjectives for that. Okay. <laughs> don't like his work, but I love what he has done. It's a it's a very contradictory statement, but yeah. I love what he has done to architecture, to change things, and that is something that has really inspired me. That he started to use technology and computers when it was when nobody thought it can be used in this way, and he made those things buildable. And I think that was very interesting. And I remember, I think in my second or third year, I, I watched this movie of uh, sketches of Frank Gehry. That was a fantastic documentary of of his works, uh, of his works at that time, how he built the Bilbao Museum and all of that. So in that, he spoke about this moment when he was asked to design something, and he had to leave everything to do that, and he felt like a moment as if you're jumping off a cliff. And that I don't know that's some that's some that's you know because it was Frank Gehry saying that, it's kind of stuck in my head always. so i've always thought you have to take bigger risks in life if you want to achieve something and you will learn two things 
if you it's like if you jump off a cliff either you'll fall or you'll learn how to fly on the way right 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 so it's like you take a big risk either you'll fail or you will succeed and you will find the meaningful but the best thing is when you fail because it will teach you a lot so here i really felt like taking a big risk i don't know what it was in my mind that time there was a big urge that <clears throat> that uh, you know uh, i want to take a big risk that a risk is important so the max schindler program was kind of open for me in terms of i had i had an opportunity to go go for that so i had decided uh, that yes i want to do that and i and i remember i went to patrick i i wrote to him that can i have a, a meeting with you please uh, i need to discuss something i got selected for max schindler uh, museum so at that time i realized that zaha's office had already done uh, a project for mac museum in vienna so i i kind of figured that out and connected the dots that okay so patrick is aware about mac he knows about mac so let me just talk to him and see what what can be done so i i wrote to patrick that i got selected for mac schindler this business and uh, can i please have a meeting with you to discuss something and he just gave me an appointment uh, at some point and i went to him i spoke to him and i had also got a publication that time in a conference in canada oh, which wow, okay. which i had i had the book of that in my hand and the book was written by someone who was very good friends with patrick so i kind of used that book as my medium to talk to him i told him i wanted to want to share this with you right right <coughs> so i went to him i showed him the book I said this is a, he he said okay this is cool can I keep a copy I said sure oh, wow, and nice. then I then I told him that uh, you know I've been selected for this thing Mac Mac thing and uh, this is a six month residency in Los Angeles so I want to take a sabbatical from Zaha and I will go there spend six months and then come back and join and he said okay. i will speak to who's your associate i told him and he said uh, just put it on an email i will tell your associate to approve that and i said wow so i can just uh, you, you can know, go and come back that's great the non many firms so. So, so yeah exactly so <clears throat> but the but the killing point was that the visa rules when oh. i spoke to the hr the visa rules because they had changed recently it said that if you got a visa a working visa in uk you can't leave the country for more than 30 days oh wow okay so you have to be back on every 30th day oh and then fly out right otherwise you the visa and i had a four and a half year visa or something like that so so the visa was given like three and a half four that's years quite a like risk uh, so it was a big risk yeah, yeah. and everybody who i spoken to that time who had taken an advice from they <clears throat> they said uh, uh, you know like don't take that risk i mean it's it's not worth it Ex- except for one person uh, uh, who who happens to be my wife now Okay. Uh, oh, nice. So, <coughs> so she uh, Swati uh, who's also an architect actually. She works with Morphogenesis right now. <coughs> she was on in the AA in your class I guess. She she was uh, she was in Nottingham University. Uh, we went we we were in undergrad uh, together and oh, then right, okay. nice. we happened to go to UK together but in different cities though. So she had moved back to India and she told me that uh, you know you should take a risk because you've always loved to take risk and it will like she didn't say that you it will work out or not but she said you should take a risk she was the only one I think at that time who was encouraged me and then slowly my family also encouraged me my my sister has been a really good push uh, always encouraging me to do different things she's always seen me as uh, you know weird creature in the house being being an elder sister to me 
and she said okay you want to do weird things yeah go ahead okay she's so also pushing me for that and my 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 mother my father both got convinced that okay go ahead if you've got a permission and all of that but then uh, the problem was is visa rules and uh, because of that uh, the, the whole option, idea was that uh, the only thing i can do is go there for 6 months and then come back have another 6 months to spare and then come back because till one year i can't come back to zhj oh right but i spoke to my associate i spoke to a lot of people that uh, i will be coming back most likely and uh, but yeah i have to go for that <clears throat> and i think everybody encouraged and stuff uh, and and then you yeah. took the big leap into yeah, un- uncertainty yeah there were some loopholes i won't expand that i swear on that but just to kind of add a bit of interesting part to that and and some ground realities so zaha uh, zhc approved of my uh, my my leaving at that time and then coming back and all of that stuff all the formalities were done and all of that and my usa visa got rejected oh crap yeah. so i was like now i can't stay in uk and i can't go to us oh, <laughs> and crap. and uh, so i have to go back to india and i was like what the hell this is how am i going to manage that there was a problem in the visa application not not from my side but actually uh, i mean it was a technical issue that in one of the letters which i tried to fix i reapplied they rejected again i questioned that it got rejected again so three times i applied for the you visa you must have been devastated i was devastated completely and and you know uh, that time i had, i had i had planned that you know my my work at zaha is getting over uh i was supposed to go to hong kong that time as well uh, for one of the zaha's work there was an opening of a project and i had purchased my tickets uh, i mean we were we were partially funded from zhs office itself so that oh, nice. was one opportunity then my parents were coming to uk to you know to visit me because they had not visited me all this all these years in uk and i thought it it, it must be good to show them around before i leave london and uh, not not much that i knew at that time that i maybe have to going back with them <laughs> because i'm not neither here nor there so there was another crack uh, that time that big moment in your life right yeah yeah and these are like interesting parts which uh, are kind of good to for me to remember and think back ponder as well a few months before that i had got an opportunity to go to italy uh, to do some workshops and lectures so representing rat lab basically so because i had a student from italy uh, who had come to london who so i can guide him for 6 months right so this was also happening in parallel when i was working at zaha so that student uh, you know uh, uh, he kind of arranged all of these workshops and stuff in italy so i had went to italy and i don't know what had stuck in my head i had just told them please tell them that i may be coming again so they gave me a multiple entry visa for for you so at that time i had a multiple web visit visa and then i looked up online can i go somewhere else and apply for uh, you know the us visa which had got rejected three times in london so since the sponsoring uh, museum was in vienna and fortunately vienna was the only embassy at that time in the world or one of the only embassies where you can go and apply for a visa even if you're living in some other country oh okay right which had a list of countries which included london so i blocked my ticket i booked an appointment in vienna i went to vienna applied for my us visa there after it had been rejected twice twice or thrice and i got the visa next day 
so oh, now wow. i had to uh, so now i had to go back to london uh, uh you know find a new tenant for the house where i was staying otherwise all my security deposit will not be refunded oh is it and and in 3 days i need to pack my bags and go to la oh man that was and, quite a story really yeah. so this was like all happening and i ended up at la that time so yeah it was crazy crazy and then this long journey of traveling and studying and yes. working so, and, started right? yeah and in between you know there was so many countries that i had visited for for work purpose for lectures conferences so i think everything was building up to you know like what it is right now giving me a push to 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 move forward i would say and your friend in uh, uh, china was still working on so yeah he he has had his own own stories as well so he was in shanghai then he when i then he had to come to la as well with me because it was a combined residency oh right okay and uh, not much did we know that the, all the funding will also need to be shared between two people and the accommodation funds and all of that stuff which kind of put us on the back seat at that time because we were very limited with finances uh, but i think it kind of we, we managed pretty well we learned a lot through that process 6 months we were there so he left his job in shanghai to come to uh, to la and then then i was called for an interview in la uh, at gary's office oh wow brilliant and, yeah because i had been uh, you know chasing their cto for for a very long time on linkedin and stuff and i emailed them so finally he had called me to uh, you know for an interview and i got shortlisted for the job and the interview and this was right when my 6 months were getting over in la uh and few days after that or during that time they gave me an email telling me that the company has been sold oh okay so this was yeah, gary that's gary, interesting yeah this was gary technologies the company was taken over by trimble which owns ketchup and all of these so the the whole hr policies and everything will have to change and so you will have to wait for a few months and oh. wait to hear back from us and that time i had already I mean, I had no more time to stay in US because my funding was getting over. My time had got gotten over, so life moved on. And so then I thought I had to make another to, decision, right? Yeah, so I had to go back to come back to India, and I thought I'll be here for six months and then go back to ZHA and join back in London because then my one year would be finished at that time. Right. And at that time is when uh, when I came back to India. i remember it was i had a long journey and stuff and i think i woke up next morning at 5 am and and you know what pradeep used to ask me always i asked myself that time that what next and uh, this is exactly how i thought that let me start something here let whatever we have been doing at rat lab i think it needs to be done here in india right and this is exactly how i started rat lab in india and we got a good response initially and have been building upon that from there on from 2014 october essentially wow so that is the uh, time you started rat lab and when did you get into teaching uh? so uh, again this was again back and forth when i was in roverfold i think greg gave me a good opportunity to teach in one of his workshops and i was also attending workshops at smart geometry in ucl as well and a couple of other conferences and stuff so i what i realized when i was you know at various places and also the italy uh, lectures that i did because of my student right i realized that you know this workshop culture is very interesting and i realized that we do not have that workshop culture in india so yeah, it's not actually about not teaching culture yeah so 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 i thought you know we need to build on that and 
education was not doing too well and design education is still not doing great actually but there yes. is still some hope uh that's a chapter in itself uh but so that's when i thought that you know whatever we have been doing teaching and you know like uh, guiding and all of that we need to do that in india and i was in constant touch with pradeep pradeep at that time had moved to uk uh teaching at architectural association where we graduated from oh nice okay so he had ended up at uh, at uh, hook park in a and uh, as a robotics in charge and while i was in india and i thought we need to do something we need to carry forward an educational module and bratlab had started to pick up and we started to do some workshops in computational design and parametric design and we built on that saw the response and we worked with a lot of universities we realized that things are very very slow here very slow oh, very, so we very need to slow. yeah so Tell we need to come it. up yeah so we need to come up with something which is independent which is not controlled by any other organization or university right so we can move at the right place pace. that's a good idea yeah yeah so that's when ratlab education was born uh, i think in early 2015 i would say when we started to do our first workshop and i think till now we've done more than 50 workshops uh, across india and outside of india as well and now we are kind of reinventing the design education module but what good thing that has happened all of this while is also a lot of because we was we started to do this workshops on parametric design yeah. a lot of people a lot of my students and a lot of people who had some exposure about computational design uh they started to replicate these kind of workshop modules independently oh right okay. their own space and studios so now if you just you know even if you just go online and look up for parametric design workshops you start having uh, competition yeah there are like 20 people uh, doing these kind of workshops and five of those are my own students okay right uh, so it's it's kind of fascinating uh and kind of frustrating in its own way because a lot of people are not doing it in the right sense uh and i'm not saying that from from you know a business perspective but i'm saying it from an educational perspective because we are we are working with very vulnerable minds and that is very important you know if you're working with a second year student and developing his skill set about technology or parametric design you got to hit the right nerves you know because you can't be teaching the wrong stuff yeah that's true and yeah. the problem problem right now in india is that persists like, a lot in india right like lot of graduates uh, they just turn into faculty or like on the first yes. year itself right yeah so the problem is even even the kind of works that we do the kind of teaching works i would say a lot of it is uh, kind of seen it as a software class or you know like that okay we're talking about grasshopper and rhino and yeah, the yeah, software that's true yeah but this is something that we always say that it is not a software it is a way of thinking it is a computational thinking approach it is a methodology and a technique of designing and we started to teach things in a different way and we kind of trying to reinvent with every workshop what new can we do it's the same thing as what next what new can we do and what uh, how do we teach differently how does student learn how do student learn differently how can we use technology in a different way and this is how we have started to you know we i think we started to con- uh, concentrate from workshops to summer and winter schools uh so we can kind of concentrate our workshops only on summers and winters because we are kind of busy with projects as well uh and then uh, now we started a six month program smart labs which is taking its own shape uh, in india changing the course of education because so you guys go to universities as well and give workshops or is it just uh, uh out of an office or something where you do your workshops so we 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 do both the things actually so we uh you know we we in delhi we we have a tie up with the space where we run our workshops for 
30-40 students. Right. Uh, and then in various cities now we have various tie-ups uh, where we do our workshops and conduct our workshops, including universities. So a lot of universities are now calling us to do workshops in their spaces. Uh, so we are doing workshops in a lot of universities. Uh, the only issue that we find often is most of them want to concentrate that onto their own students, right. which is kind of anti the approach we have that it should be open to all. So universities who are able to understand that we are able to kind of partner with them and do an open workshop where anybody can join basically. Okay, that's great. What do you see Ratlabs doing in, in the future? You know, apart from it being a design practice and a workshop, where do you see Ratlabs going? So, uh, see, I think we are in a very interesting space right now because our works have been evolving. Uh, you know, our, our various ventures have been evolving. So, 2015, when we were kind of developing Ratlab Education, we also started an uh, interior design cell, uh, which is, again, I won't go too much in depth about the project. So, uh, there's another partner who has, who has joined, uh, Anchal, who's leading the interior design cell. And so me and Anchal are taking Ratlab interiors forward in its own way, trying to use technology in interior interior spaces. Parametric interiors. <clears throat> yeah, so we're kind of using parametric design for interior spaces at yes. various scales. So that is happening. And at the same time, we, we uh, have been working with a lot of product designers and some fashion designers as well we've been collaborating with. The whole idea that we hold, uh, you know, as, as a consultancy is about scalability and how we can use technology at various scales and how can we use technology to affect positively lifestyles and transform lifestyles and cultures. So in interior spaces, we are using technology to create installations, artworks and stuff with furniture designers, product designers. We are able to use technology to rationalize the fabrication process, to optimize costs. At a large scale, we are working with a lot of architects and doing their facade projects. Oh, wow. Okay. We are also working at, at urban scale projects. So we worked on IIT Gandhinagar project with an architectural consultancy. Uh, we, we worked on, uh, we're working on the new Pragati Medan uh, convention center as well, doing some kind of analysis on that. So you're collaborating with a lot of architects as well. So I think right now, I think we're collaborating with more than 10 to 12 architects oh, right wow. now. Uh, and, and including some of the very big, big names, which uh, again, under an NDA, I'm not supposed to name the yeah, projects yeah. or the architects sure. right at this stage. Uh, but I think, and, and smaller and new architects as well. So that's kind of interesting in our firm that we are able to inculcate a collaborative culture. But at the same time, it's very slow. Like I, I'll have to be very honest here. It's very slow. People are very scared of collaborations. And... But that's kind of building upon. So in future, we are hoping that there are more collaborative avenues. People become more open about having experts of technology uh, play a pivotal role in projects. And that is how we are trying to kind of, uh, you know, move forward. And in future as well, we hope to continue to do that to scale up on various things. And then there are a couple of other ventures that we are trying to venture into, except for education as well. Yeah, the thing is that Indian architects, they're very reserved, you know, they they don't like to collaborate with someone else because they would like the fees and everything. So right. how do you think that would change in the future? I don't know, like, because a lot of architects still prefer to keep uh, the margin to themselves and not share much projects and all that. So what do you think about that? I think I'm quite I'm quite glad that you really hit the right button here because you spoke about the margins and uh, you know how architects want to keep it to themselves and that's yeah, very correct. true actually and that is a bigger problem in the industry and to be honest I don't think architects are to be blamed or any designers need to be blamed because 
you know firstly uh, the whole process of getting a project or being awarded a project or being commissioned a project and then having limited margin you know we always have compromised fee structures you know in india especially so architects are not well paid designers are not well paid Absolutely. to be honest so many of them are very smart to really build up a smart system and business model as well which is something which the college doesn't teach us uh, which the realities of life teaches uh, so a lot of architects are smart enough to be able to do that but i think because of the struggles that go, uh, you know one goes through they are not happy to share again as you said margins yeah or you know the minimal profits that one may have to share it with other consultants or fellow designers and stuff so there is a deep driven problem in the industry right now to be honest i i i wish i had a solution for that a quick solution rather so that industry can change and people can be more collaborative but i think the moment people start to respect designers as professionals right and the fee margins start to you know open up that is exactly when this problem will be solved otherwise no designer would like to collaborate and you know share their profit margins or you know share their fee structures with the other collaborators you know some people are able to do that some people are not even if they want to you know i have so many friends and colleagues who we have been you know planning to work for like last 4 5 years we've been thinking that you know we need to work together we need to do something together we're just waiting for the right project and opportunity but also because we're not able to collaborate because it's not about the culture or the mentality that they don't want to collaborate it is because the margins do not exist so what does one do right. so it will take time so it's a slow process uh, it's very complicated it's as well right it is yeah very the whole dynamics are very very different and then you know some of the architects have their own uh i don't know if we have ego classes being taken in colleges but a lot of architects <laughs> okay. really build up on large egos <laughs> and stuff so that yeah. is another issue and that happens with most of us to be honest uh, but i feel the architects you know in europe and i think ego there is comparatively less they like to you know collaborate with each other and maybe get projects completed what do you feel yeah at least it seems like that but uh, to be honest i mean there are these are issues across the globe not just in india right, right. Uh, but at the same time people are see i i think the whole system is more professional outside of india Right. uh you know how how architects are paid uh how how the project gets commissioned how various uh, consultants or experts have their different roles in a project how there is a manager managing the project you know all those sorts sorts of things those are not uh happening in in the same way in india right so this is where we are lacking yeah architecture especially the graduates or people with one or two years experience are the most underpaid architects in the world if you ask me yes and i think to be honest i mean uh, i think but this is what will teach them how to be good entrepreneurs i would right. say yeah absolutely because this that is, is one of the reasons why i'm doing this podcast as well no and it is very important because you know like in today's age and date when you have so many things happening we have to you know disperse into various other disciplines it is not just architects right it's like you, so so my wife often keeps telling me okay you're not an architect you know because she's working on like really large scale projects okay uh, and she's always like you're not an architect you you're a technologist you know you're you're working on computational design and all of that stuff so you're not an architect but then i keep reminding her you know like i also have this architect alive in me but it is just because of circumstances or situations or or my choices that i made that i have you know uh, delved into these multiple spectrums which are all connected to design and technology right right 
so architecture is also there but again there are other things that are happening as well so i think the even the young people need to understand that at the same time i think uh, the system needs to change the pay scale needs to change as well uh but yeah i mean there there are you know like loopholes at various scales in the system yeah, the whole dynamic like if you look at the startup industry right there's a lot of startups for various uh, so apps and different technologies related to computer coding but not many startups right. on architecture right right absolutely and i think one should be uh, you know focusing on that in design schools as well and i think something of that kind is happening people are talking about design thinking people are uh, you know talking about design entrepreneurships in colleges and school levels as well because it's very important for young people to understand that architecture is not only about architecture you know we as architects are trained to do so many things you know Absolutely. something that we really need to go back dig into our minds and find those things that what can we do better how can we solve problems firstly we need to identify the problem so uh, so we we uh, strongly see technology not being used properly as a big problem in the industry so we're trying to solve that okay we we see that education models in india are not up to date we are not using technology in its full potentials so we are trying to find a solution to that uh so i think finding and identifying problems is very important i have some friends who are who identify affordable housing as a big problem in cities so they are trying to find solutions for that and actually building stuff around that oh nice you know so uh somebody who may be finding that architectural journalism is not doing it you know at its right pace they will be trying to find solutions to that right uh, so i think it's all about identifying problems in the context that we belong to and trying to solve that in our own ways and that is how you know things will kind of open up and i think collaboration is very important right from early days we need to understand that collaboration is important uh you know fee structures can be adjusted margins can be built up profits will increase when there are multiple heads working on you know a single goal right and the idea of uh, you know back in the day usually an architect has 20 30 years experience before he's actually established you know but these days i feel like within a span of 10 years you can make it as a big architect what do you think i i think uh, you know uh, i think uh, even the smartest of you know 60 70 year old uh, architects in today's date would still say that you know they have one thing in common if even if you you know uh, you know speak to uh, mr b vidoshi as well for example he always says i am still learning and i think that is very important and i think that having that asset is very important that you need to be learning all the time so you will never become a big architect or a successful architect or you know a renowned architect uh, in whatever number of years or you're not uh, you know uh, i mean it's not a time based thing i would say it's a very complex situation to be honest i strongly feel that architecture is about exploring creating solving problems and learning on the go it is not about becoming the big architect i mean those days are gone when you you know do a big museum project and and become famous for that having a museum in bilbao and the whole right, world right. is going upon or having like fluidic buildings around the globe and people are you know finding you an expert things have changed yeah it's not just a single person it's a group of people who realize innovative yeah. stuff yeah and something i strongly uh, one thing i can talk about here is uh, 
something i really strongly feel that architect is not about a single architect or a person and companies do not grow like that so this is my personal opinion again but it's like if if even if you go back to 80s you know or back in 70s or 80s when the firms used to be named the firms used to be called uh let's say first name last name and associates first name last name and partners yeah absolutely that's yeah. what the firms are called or first name last name and partners so so yeah. you are, you are you are centering yourself in the hierarchy of a firm and organization as well that thing doesn't happen now slowly in the 90s things started to change things were like xyz studio you know so studio culture started right so it is no more a single architect either there are people are teaming up uh three people teaming up forming a firm together and that is what uh you know evolution is and now we have this lab culture you know so in studios have been replaced with labs uh but not not many people understand that you know you need to have that really experimental ethos of a laboratory and be innovative uh, in your own ways so but at the same time the sole uh, focus on a single person is shifting off yeah and most of the bigger firms who are successful right now by 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 in terms of the good works that they are doing not not just in terms of if they are doing large scale projects or small scale projects or if they are in like 20 magazines or not the people who are doing good work they are always a collective of people right and right. it is not a single person and people centered around that this is what i strongly feel that one needs to uh, you know you know be working with teams and having a lot of associations and that is very important Yeah I think it's not it's not that you're bound to fail if you start alone but it would be better ideally if you do it with some uh, as a group yeah Absolutely see see most of the times you you don't have so many choices you don't have find the right people to work with as well and it takes time Right I mean I I know I know a lot of people who after having a successful practice for 20 25 years as well have now teamed up with other people to make a an, another organization of a larger you know outreach let's say Right and they are doing good work and i think that is the whole essence of it i'm not saying that it has to start like that not everyone will get an opportunity to do that yes uh, you know the partner who i started the company with uh, is not physically present in india so i mean i have my own restrictions as well oh, but but thank yeah that's but interesting th- yeah so he's in germany now by the way so pradeep story is a different one so he's in germany working with robots and architecture that's a company so he still gets start- a cut from all the projects <laughs> so so we have a very interesting association uh, so on the kind of projects that he associates on again but he's mostly uh, limited to uh, working on robotics and oh right right high scale projects nice. so in you india we don't your have... firm in such a way that everything works yes. out yeah yeah and then there's another partner who has had a you know vast expertise in interior design and uh, even in architecture projects so she is able to you know handle the interior subset of the company in a, in a very nice way and and i'm actually looking forward to having more partners getting involved and trying to you know uh, expand together and that is what the essence is so it is no more about a singular person or an architect you know uh, uh, in the center of the hierarchy i would say so that is something that needs to change with time i think okay so coming back to parametric design so one of the biggest problems with it is that uh, the implementation right even with bim right. and all that so you can have like fancy curved designs but then bringing it to reality is a big problem so let's that's why a lot of firms uh, take a step back from getting into parametric design or bi right. so how do you think that could change uh, like obviously ratlab is going to help a lot 
but what other ways you know could scale up lot of architecture firms taking parametric design as a big step in the design process right see i think uh, uh in the way you asked this question it's a very common question that you know like uh, i'm often asked uh, most of the people in india will will have a similar question that these can't be built and all of that and this is going to be more expensive yeah, this is not suitable cost. for india yeah but that is not true that is because you have a set motion notion in your mind about what parametric design can do right it is essentially so again i i will kind of give a small example from a recent project that we were working on okay we we were analyzing uh and optimizing uh visibility in an auditorium where 6000 people are seated so so this means if there are 6000 seats uh and let's say i'm sitting i mean i want you to imagine that so you're sitting on a seat and you have a screen in front on the stage at the center of the stage and you are you have like 40 points on the stage so let's say or 100 points let's say a grid of 10 by 10 right so you have 100 points on the stage and you need to see those 100 points so you may be able to see 90 points Right, right. And 10 might get obstructed by people sitting in front of you, or by a column or a slab that is kind of obstructing your view. Yeah. Right. So your visibility is 90%. Right. As per this analysis system that we have made. Right. Now, if you analyze a person next to you, you may have that may have visibility of 93% or 100% yeah, or 10%. Varies. Yeah. So, so if you start to analyze 6,000 seats. so you are shooting 6000 into 100 so means 6 lakh rays on the stage analyzing each of them when does it intersect and then giving that data value to that seat to analyze a percentage and then after you have the 6000 percentage into an excel sheet and giving them a color coding system oh, fascinating defining a color for each and then giving that color code system onto those seats and people sitting on those seats in your 3d model wow so so you have a color coded diagram where you can see okay here are the green seats which are good visibility above 80% here are the red seats that are bad visibility which are under 30% here are the yellow seats which are intermediate you know so you can keep categorizing that so this is exactly what we are doing on oh, this is like changing the game in architecture yes so we are analyzing a uh, you know an auditorium and we are doing that similar thing on a stadium as well now so we are doing that auditorium a stadium and okay so we realize that 70% seats are good 30% are bad now what do we do now let's change the model now change the step size now let's stagger the seats a little bit and let's reanalyze so we built an algorithm right where we can keep changing these parameters that okay shift the seat by uh, you know 300 mm or lift it up by 200 mm or whatever right, right. do that right. only to this area now same way being parametric at the yes. same time exactly so as in uh, you know as in how you do that you are able to understand that what gives you the best result before even building before even making the working drawings let's say right right so this is exactly what can te- what technology can do this is like one small example of a recent one fascinating so it is actually not about creating a funky looking shape or a crazy looking stadium or something like that that is also a possibility and that is something very easy to do actually with with the availability of the tools and uh, you know information available now yeah uh, but this is like high end computation this is exactly the future of computation this is absolutely the future yeah so this is 
in fact i hate to say this but it's not the future it's actually the present we need, we need to do that now okay so right. we need to adapt to that now because people outside of india let's say globally have been doing that for the last 10 years and oh, we need it? to do that now exactly so that is a bigger problem where whereas we in india we still have a notion that parametric design is about curvilinear forms uh and about you know crazy looking buildings and twisting towers and all of that stuff but this is the first lecture that i give to my students in all of our, all of our workshops as well that no it is not only about that uh so buildability is also another aspect that even if you're designing something let's say complicated or curvilinear or even straightforward you can use technology or parametric design in a way that you can rationalize your process you can rationalize the fabrication you can rationalize the workflow and this is exactly where computational designers also need to concentrate on so they need to get out of their sketch pads and you know grasshopper screens and stuff and creating cool looking forms of course that can happen on the side but we need to start talking about the uh, you know advantages of technologies in all of these aspects i think that is very important which is not happening right now much this was all made uh, on grasshopper is it what you just spoke about yeah grasshopper is just one medium and then it is it has extension of python and c sharp with our various two scripting languages that we use to optimize the workflow because uh, let's say i have a 16 gb laptop which cannot uh you know uh, have that kind of 6000 rays being computed in one hour and all of that so so i need to write a script and optimize a script so this is these are the kind of projects where pradeep comes in and brings his his expertise as well because he's really working on high end projects in germany oh nice okay so this is you know technology is allowing us to communicate in two countries and two cities and it is allowing us to build a new technology and i think that is the beauty of uh, you know using design technologies Yeah, I'm sure you heard of Dynamo for uh, Revit, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we have uh, used Dynamo. We have used, uh, you know, we're trying to integrate Revit and Grasshopper as well. A lot of, and we are mostly using already built resources and platforms which people have used and have put it on open source. Uh, so that definitely has a potential. But I think uh, people are doing that in India just to make it buildable, make complex things buildable. Right. And I think we there's no science behind it. Yeah, and we don't have to. It's it's like a fad, you know. Like uh, again, I probably should not be making claims like that, but I think uh, Autodesk stopped promoting AutoCAD at one time because Revit was in the picture. You know, Revit was in really full-fledged production, and right. uh, Revit was actually kind of uh, marketed as a BIM tool, and everybody was talking about building information modeling and all of that stuff. Right. So. and parametric design or computational design is one step ahead of building information modeling because you can actually make parametric models which are bim uh you know uh let's say bim associated or whatever bim right? related yeah so this is where dynamo is trying to come and help people change their methodologies and workabilities as well uh because a lot of people thought that things that you design using parametric tools such as grasshopper are uh, may not be buildable so you need to have a building information modeling uh, relation to that so this is where dynamo kind of helps associates your geometry because again all softwares have a different uh, modeling system you know sketchup has a different modeling engine maya has a you know polygonal meshing modeling system uh, 3ds max has polygon mesh yes. rhino is a nerves based modeling tool revit is a solid geometry i'm not sure of the technical term what it has but everybody every softwares have all the possibilities but is an expert in one 
so to integrate all of these together building information modeling needs to come in the come in picture you know so uh, i think dynamo and bim are there in the industry but i don't think in india people have too much of knowledge about bim in the right ways to be honest it's only at the surface level nowadays a lot of firms are uh, preferring revit architects and you know yeah, trying I mean, to into the revit space i think that was there in early 2000s also when and in fact i would say when i was about to graduate i was looking for like jobs outside of india as well right uh, i saw that most of the jobs you know in the in within 5 years they changed their requirements and revit and having a bim knowledge was a must 5 years after that if you go online now and look for a job for anyone you know like you can check online they will have a requirement of using grasshopper and rhino and having computational design skills and that is becoming a must and i can bet on that that within 5 years having an information about virtual reality platforms will be a must and after 5 years of that you will have a knowledge of artificial intelligence oh my god and i think now now is like the perfect <laughs> time to be alive you know absolutely i mean we the technology see the pace at which technology changed in last 200 years that is what happening in the next 20 in the next 20 next, that's going to happen in yes, the next 20 years, you know that's the pace so we are at a very interesting space right now where technology is changing and affecting things so what can we do as designers to you know positively affect and transform design and use technology is something that we need to think upon so bim dynamo virtual reality you know ai you know all of these things have a correlation everything is getting integrated with each other and i think uh, as architects it's going to get continuously difficult for us to place ourselves in this you know uh, large ecosystem of technology and design absolutely everything has to merge and you can't shy away from technology and when i say that i do not mean that you should not sketch or you should not know how to hand draft of course those are like musts and basics one needs to have an inculcate but having a you know generic sense about technology is very important if not being an expert in technology having an exposure to that is very important so i think integration of tools is something that we will have to develop ourselves you know yeah, i think that's the biggest problem in india right now like so much advance in technology but still there are so many architecture colleges i think now there's more than 500 architecture colleges in india and they're generating I have, a i have 35 what i last checked okay. on your website yeah and they're generating yeah. a lot of architects who you know they're either jobless or and they yeah. don't have the right skill set to join a workforce so there's right. this big contradiction between you know what's happening in the world and what architecture colleges are uh, producing right right i think uh, see i think it's it's a big market i would say as i see is a, a big architecture has become a, architectural education has become a big market and a big business actually in today's date uh, after the whole uh, you know engineer engineers like finding themselves a jobless at, after a while being experts but not finding themselves jobs architecture is going through a similar phase right now absolutely and i think most of the professionals if you talk to if you talk to 20 professionals in india and ask them are the architectural graduates coming to you for a job today uh, what is their standing in the knowledge base and you know way of working and most of them will tell 19 out of 20 will tell them that these graduates are unemployable right and that is That's a scary. big problem it is very scary to be honest and you know like and you can't blame them for this and you can't even blame the 
faculty members as well a lot of times we end up blaming okay you know faculty is not teaching them you know they don't but they don't have access to the right infrastructure they don't have the right access to absolutely the right faculty members as well and i think something you spoke about uh, you know previously while we were talking that most of the people graduate and turn into teachers because what do they do they have no option they they are not given enough pay in an office and and we are also not able to pay to you know a lot of people uh, in the right capacity as we would have liked to to be honest because we are constrained in our own ways and i think the problem needs to be solved collectively to be honest i am not sure what the solution lies but i think we need to tackle the situation and face it collectively so you know young graduates need to understand that uh, first they need to accept that what they have learned in those 5 years or whatever is not enough and there is no point rebelling there is no point uh, you know questioning the world about it and you know uh, uh, you know like thinking that you know why are we in that space right it is nobody's fault what one can do is understand the problem and to be honest at times going to the deep roots is not even a solution because you can't change those deep roots it will take time so what can we do as an immediate solution the immediate solution is you end up with newer models newer business models or newer methodologies of working uh, i think offices may need to you know open up i don't know like just just while talking in about this to you i i think what if one can be having a sharing employee let's say yeah that's a good idea you know so it's 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 a way i'm i'm sure like 20 other people would have thought of that but yeah what if i can have a sharing employee so three people can have one resource so the resource is happily paid because it's being paid by three offices offices are happy because they're paying a small amount but collectively it becomes a big amount so everybody is happy so it's a win win situation right right <clears throat> i don't know if it's workable or not we need to test it out, Work it out i yeah. think yeah tomorrow i'm definitely going <laughs> to the office and discussing this with my partners and okay. see how we can work something of this kind out but uh, i think we have to be more inventive about our roles so but a lot of people what they end up doing is they end up going teaching or they end up uh, opening up their own practices which i don't think is wrong but the chances of hitting success is low on that so one has to be really patient so if you have the patience go for it if you don't have understand the problem and try to solve it collectively right so yeah i mean coming back to the issue of you know 500 plus colleges in india and people have being unemployable uh <clears throat> i think one has to use knowledge what is available online let's say information online there are so many tutorials absolutely. out there there Linda. are so many talks out there yes absolutely people are doing that and i think the whole idea how we started smart labs was also because of this that we realized that smart labs in fact is a six month program where we have like six studio sessions and about 10 online sessions okay which are taken by experts from USA Iran oh, wow. Barcelona India and we're trying to you know touch base with people in Australia London and various other places Brilliant. to teach people students in India so people need to bank on to these kind of opportunities and i'm sure if we are doing this you know 10 other people are also will be doing that in 6 months or are doing that something on the same lines and using technology to teach colleges need to open up their curriculum yeah, i think council of to... architecture also needs to change the way they approach uh, you know the system in india if you start from the topmost level then i think there right. might be a lot of change in the system i i think you know like when we uh, we we had this exhibition of smart labs in chennai when the first batch culminated and uh, one of one of the persons uh, i won't i won't name the person right now but had a close association with council of architecture and he saw the works and he was like make a report 
tomorrow let's go to council of architecture and present this make it a compulsory make it a must across india in all colleges i was like yeah that'll be cool and we need to do that but in the right way we can't just you know just do it immediately we have to take it slowly and understand how the systems work which which we are in the process of but the whole idea was that the kind of works that our students could produce in an independent space where they were not bound by any rules they were not bound by strict faculty guidelines let's say or strict college rules and people could learn to collaborate and work in teams from other places i think that gave like wonderful results and i think there are so many workshops happening right now so the whole workshop culture has started now so uh workshop from sustainability on bamboo building bamboo architecture mud architecture you know so many things are happening parametric design with mud architecture let's say you know you can start to combine these things parametric design for structures and this and that you know like so many things are happening people need to bank on to these opportunities so in those five years what can a student do you know i'll, I'll come to a kind of a solution for students if you are in an ecosystem for 5 years you need to come out of that you need to look out of that you need to understand what is happening and you don't need to pay for that to be honest there are so many free resources out there yeah absolutely you need to spend time there you know i think most of the students end up spending time uh you know in the colleges doing their submissions and bound by strict timelines as well but they need to learn that if you want to be successful you need to multitask right from the beginning so you need to go online go watch ted talks you know go watch free lectures by mit go watch uh, lecture series at the by a go watch lecture series by sayark everything is online for free uh, you can you know you know you can interact with people from anywhere in the world uh, and start to learn and you you can't waste time 5 years is is a long time you know to to waste only on education in architecture you need to learn more you can learn you can learn to be a graphic designer while becoming an architect you can learn to be an entrepreneur uh, being an architect you can learn to be uh, you know a journalist as well while pursuing architecture and this is exactly what needs to happen and i think that is a that will be a good solution to becoming more employable as well and becoming more you know successful uh, in what you do yeah the sad part is not many students realize that they feel bound by those campus walls they don't yes. think out of the box so they need to maybe the course can have entrepreneurship courses or we can have yeah. collaboration other fields like machine yeah. learning ai absolutely and i think it's a must and i think that is a responsibility of the university people or college people uh, including the hod's and faculty members to encourage students to do that and they need to open up to you know maybe workshops various various kind of workshops i'm not saying by on technology only but various kind of programs and start to you know spend on resources of these kinds let's say i would be more happy to buy a package of uh, you know the best talks that happened in mit and paying my 20 dollars on that rather than uh, you know paying for the 20 dollars on my next college trip to be honest you know right, but right. and i'm not saying that that has to be ne- uh, negotiated or compromised but we need to f- understand where are we putting our resources a lot of colleges for example you know they came to us uh, at one time and uh, of course we keep approaching the universities about these things as well they said okay we want to buy robotic arms so we want to have a robotics lab in 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 our campus and we want to be the first one to to have a robotics lab right now a lot of colleges have that but 
so what we told them and that 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 time me and pradeep had a very you know like big discussion on this that can it happen in india should this happen in india because now he has become an expert in robotics so uh, i told him you know that maybe the indian market is not ready and eventually what we realized is uh the university uh, was ready to spend let's say uh, 100x and i'm using the term 100x for a reason right 100x amount on buying a robotic arm but they were not ready to buy uh, to spend on a salary of a person to uh, you know program that robot right and spend 5x they were not ready to pay x amount to a faculty who would be an expert and be able to teach that they were just going to use that as a marketing tool to bring in exactly most. exactly so this is exactly the plan was and this is the problem you know we are buying resources so every university now would be happy to buy a 3d printer and i think i would uh, you know if we start to you know sell 3d printers for example i would i think we'll we'll make a fortune Beginner, yeah. out of that but a lot of people are doing that and and a lot of people had approached us to tie up and you know start selling 3d printers through our workshops and all of that and we said okay no we don't want to do that we not an expert in marketing 3d printers and we don't want to do that but the problem is that universities would still want to buy a 3d printer because it like sounds cool and but they don't know how to use 3d printer so many colleges have laser cutters but their their students are you know they don't know how to program one or how to hack a machine and make more out of it you know so those are the skills that need to uh, you know be inculcated and developed in colleges as well absolutely all right so coming to a close uh, what is your goal as an architect sushant in bringing change to our world so uh, to have a transformative role a role i think that is something that an architect needs to have how do how can we change things how can we positively affect cultures and lives and uh, a society in general how to bring in you know better trends i would say uh, so the larger goal is actually to keep keep changing keep evolving and trying to affect things positively and transform things and i think in a very short span of time we have been uh, you know call ourselves fortunate and lucky as well because we've been able to successfully uh, you know kick start something of that kind by introducing technology in india through our workshops as well and through the things collaboration and stuff which we are doing and i think the larger goal is to keep building on that and be able to affect that collectively so we are able to you know design better cities better habitat and better products better lifestyle and transform the way people live and make it uh, you know better for everyone and i think right now it is by using technology but maybe 10 years down the line we may just you know shift out of using technology and maybe we are focusing on something else maybe we are focusing on something completely different but the larger goal would always be to make better environments and better habitat and by by introducing a transformative culture and bringing in more innovation so innovation is something that has always driven us and i think that will continue to drive us uh, in future as well so we we hope that in future we are able to you know like take that forward and people are able to join us uh you know to to collectively move forward in the profession and change the design industry in a in a good way and i think uh, that that's a larger motive i would also. say and also uh, one last question because sure. i i'm sure my listeners would be interested you think sure. ai uh, would uh, replace architects in the future no i think that's a very very uh, you know naive statement that we always hear that you know robots will take our job and ai will replace our jobs and stuff yeah i think okay i'll, I'll be bluntly honest 
yes it will take our jobs we will we, we will be jobless and we will not have a role to play unless we evolve and understand what it can do and we need to keep shifting our role so the role of a designer the role of an architect needs to keep evolving and change so i may be good in something but if i'm able to use for example i may be great in hand drafting like 20 years back i can say that i am very good in hand drafting i can't let autocad or any computer system to replace that okay but for how long can i resist that and i think people did resist but eventually cad took over and cad tools have taken over in today's date no matter how much i will say that i will be stuck to cad tools i will not do 3d modeling i hate 3d modeling like 10 years after that i can uh, i would have said that but then that also happened and now i can say that i i don't want to use coding i don't want to use algorithms i don't want to use technology because because the whole you know notion of at the click of a button i will have thousands of options in front of me that right, is not right. how it works to be honest you have to really build on it but for me i've seen that in the last 10 years as a as a designer right from working i mean i'm still working on architectural projects but in a different way my role is about creating a system which can create better architecture and 5 years down the line my role will be something else and if i can use machine learning in the right way and i can use artificial intelligence and i can build in those in that intelligence that can help me to do better then why not what is wrong in that so we need to understand that the more we ignore it the more it is likely to replace us the more we understand and walk with it the more better we can do using that technology to its potential and to our potential as well All right guys so that was the end of today's episode I'm sure you guys loved this episode if you did please do give us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you guys listen to be it iTunes Spotify or Castbox Castbox is pretty cool for Android so I would suggest you guys download it and you'll get all the information what we spoke about today on the show notes which is available at arkgyan.com/03 please do visit it because it's going to be very useful for y'all because we spoke a lot about architecture today and i i'm sure i came out after this episode much more intellectual and much more knowing about what architecture is happening around the world i would like to thank a ton to sushant for giving us his time and uh, sharing invaluable stuff which i'm sure is going to benefit a lot of people i'll see you guys on the next episode it's also going to be a big treat for y'all because it's a architect who's very close to my heart thanks guys see you all on the flip side ciao this is manish signing off aka kobe